It's Friday night, and your work week is over. Kick back and get the latest on the Indianapolis Colts. Jonathan Taylor, touchdown! The 10, the 5, a pick 6 for the Colts! Get up to speed on the Colts and the NFL, starting now. And he walks into the end zone! Touchdown, I-N-D-Y! This is the Colts Happy Hour on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Hey, let's get it rolling. Friday night, this is Colts Happy Hour on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Good evening, I'm Matt Taylor filling in for JMV tonight. Busy, busy weekend of sports. Always one of the best weekends in Central Indiana in terms of sports this weekend. Post-Thanksgiving, all that's happening tonight, now, and on the horizon. Tomorrow, we've got IHSAA Football State Finals tonight and tomorrow at Lucas Oil Stadium. We've got Pacer Hoops coming up in just a bit. Uh, They're in Brooklyn tonight. That's coming up in just about an hour here on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan, college football tomorrow, the bucket game, the battle between Purdue and IU. That's tomorrow at Memorial Stadium down in Bloomington. That can be heard on our sister station, 93WIBC, with Don Fisher and company. And we're also getting you ready for the Colts and Colts Monday Night Football, a showdown between the Colts and Steelers, week number 12 at Lucas Oil Stadium. Colts Happy Hour tonight is brought to you by FanDuel and FanDuel Sportsbook. Download the app today and make every moment more, as the Colts are going to be hosting their first Monday Nighter Monday night home game since 2015. The Steelers come in. They're 3-7. and seven. They're on hard times this year, obviously having an up-and-down campaign. They've lost three of their last four games, including a rivalry game last time out on Sunday, falling to the Bengals 37-30. They're off to their worst start since the 2003 season. That's the last time the Steelers finished with a losing record. They're 18 straight seasons of finishing 500 or better. That's the longest active streak in the NFL. And that takes us down to the burning question today as we start off here with uh, Colts Happy Hour. The burning question is the Eagles came into the game against the Colts last week. Best record of the NFL. The Colts led the majority of the game. They had that 10-point lead in the fourth quarter, but the Eagles came back and they won. So the question is, are the Colts close? Is the margin of error in the NFL that small? The Colts defense kept them in the game, but the offense didn't do enough down the stretch. I mean, you look at it, Jeff Saturday, uh, since he's been here, the Colts have won seven of eight quarters in two games. The Colts have been involved in eight one-score games on the season. They are 3-4-1 and one in those games. And the parity in the NFL, it's so evident, it's on display. There's been 125 games this season so far within one score in the fourth quarter. That's the most such games through the first 11 weeks of a season in NFL history. Of those games, 71 of them have been decided by six points or less. That's the most such games through the first 11 weeks of an NFL season since 2016. So are the Colts close? Six games to play. Obviously, some work to be done. Four, six, and one. Can they make a push at the playoffs? That is a burning question today on Colts Happy Hour. You can join in on that discussion. What do you think? Tweet in your reactions. Tweet in your answers to at Maytay Colts. That's my address on Twitter, at Maytay Colts, if you want to interact on the show tonight on social media. It's time now for the head coach's report with interim head coach 
coach Jeff Saturday, and earlier today we spoke about that tough loss in Philly, losing in the final seconds, and how the Colts have spent this week rebounding from that loss going into a game in front of a national audience against a storied franchise like the Steelers on Monday Night Football. Yeah, not deterred from the process, right? And we talked about after the game, and then uh, even this week, we, we kept uh, having those conversations. It's about execution, and the process is we put three uh, really good practices together, uh, prior to the Eagles game, we're doing the same this week, but that will translate to the game field. You know, you play like you practice and just keeping that consistent, that's not going to change. There were plays that, um, honestly, we didn't execute to the level that we should have. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you hate that playing and giving yourself a chance to beat the Eagles and not completing the mission. So um, there, there, there's still work to be done, but I, I love the guys' attitude. They've been they've been lively at practice. They've been competitive at practice. Uh, they see the, the task at hand against the Steelers on a Monday night. And, um, again, they hadn't been dissuaded at all. You've been a player. You've played in a lot of different uh, arenas and settings. Monday night football, what does it represent? What is does it mean for players to be on that stage you know in front of the national football audience no it's it's enormous right I mean you think about especially coming off of uh, Thanksgiving week right where you, you you know you've had three games on Thanksgiving day then you have the normal games on on Sunday and now here it is um, everybody's finishing up their weekend everybody's together what's this going to look like uh, so there's, it didn't get any bigger from the from the show perspective uh, I know guys are excited about it and then on top of it playing the Steelers I mean you know I'm not sure that you can couple two things better one of the um, you know one of the founders teams in the NFL and then you're looking at uh, Monday Nighter man I mean how how good is this and and uh, uh, how much more exciting can it get I don't think it can I know the Steelers coming into this game they're three and seven right so they're having an up and down season but on offense they did score 30 points last time out against Cincinnati what do you see out of their offense what kind of stands out to you on tape when you look at their offense guided by the rookie quarterback yeah progression you know I I think that it's uh, looking at their record is is probably unfair um, when you look at changing to a a, a rookie quarterback the way they did uh, in the early part of the season. This team, the last really two or three weeks, their offense has been explosive. They can get on top of the receivers that can run. They can run after the catch, uh, but they got a ton of team speed. Their offensive line that has gotten, um, you know, kind of belittled in the media have gotten significantly better. Their offensive line coach has done a good job. Um, and they've played the toughest schedule in the NFL, right? I think they've only played two games with a team that's under 500, and they've been competitive in mm-hmm. these games. So, uh, again, Again, Mike Tomlin does a fantastic job. His staff has always done a great job. They'll be ready uh, to play. So we, we've made sure that we understand it, records don't mean anything mm-hmm. in the NFL. Every team has has players that can beat you, and it's who goes out and executes the longest is going to end up winning. So uh, again, the guys understand what we got to get accomplished. You, know, you look at this Colts defense; they have routinely held teams to under twenty points. That was the case last time out against one of the best offenses in the league, yeah. giving up only seventeen to Philadelphia. With that in mind. What's the next step for this Colts defense to go from really, really good to great to elite? Uh, I mean, listen, they're, 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 they're really close on that borderline of elite right now. When you, when you talk about the way they played against some of these offenses, and, um, you know, I, I think the thing for them is finish faster, yeah. right? You always talk about starting fast, and, and I think their mantra is finish faster. And, and I know when they look back at, at, at Philly, um, you know, the, the last play where we give up a touchdown, uh, you know, just the communication wasn't dead on. You know, just when you, when you talk to Buck and those guys, like, 
just having that situational awareness. But that's really what takes you to that elite status. But, man, they are they are hovering and borderlining on that. This defense has done everything they can do to give us wins. And so um, when, I, when I look back, I, I, I would not place that anywhere near our defense, right? I mean, they, if you told me – we're going to give up 17 points to the Eagles. I would tell you we're going to win, and so uh, we have to we have to continue to get better on offense and in special teams, making sure we execute. Uh, but again, I know the defense doesn't they, they, that that doesn't make them feel any better. They're right. going to continue to, to try to reach that uh, that that status of elite. Final couple of things with Jeff Saturday. Speaking of Pittsburgh's defense, right? They've got some great players. They've yeah. got Cameron Hayward and Minka Fitzpatrick and Miles Jack and T.J. Watt. But yet, statistically, they're having again an up and down season why is their defense maybe a little bit more deceptive than what they've put out on paper so far this season well I think when you look at them they're they're a top 10 maybe a top five run defense yes. so they, they yeah. have stopped people uh in the run game they've given up points on the back end but a lot of injuries right I mean yeah. TJ Watt was out I don't know how many games yep. Minka was out I mean so different players have been out at different moments and and um giving up yards doesn't mean not being a good team and I, you know, a lot of people look at oh how many yards are they giving up or whatever that looks like um, but but from a defensive perspective this team knows what they're doing they're very well coached they do a very nice job of passing off coverages and, and again when when people aren't healthy and they're different bodies sometimes those pass offs don't work quite like you expect them mm-hmm. to so I think some of that has been there in, in some big plays um, but na- make no mistake this team hangs their self on, hangs their, their, their wins and losses on their defense right. uh, that's not going to change that has been Steeler football from day one <laughs> Mike Tomlin ain't changed and you know right. that's not changing. So um, we we we're going to have to make sure we're on our on our best game and and making plays on the outside uh, to give us a shot. This this run defense right. is is not to be messed with. Yeah, that the proof's in the pudding there with Mike Tomlin, 157 you know career wins since 2007. Yeah. There. Yeah. All right. Lastly, Jeff, your keys to win this football game on Monday Night Football. Oh, I, I think we're going to have to be uh, from a defensive perspective. We got to keep doing what we've been doing the last three weeks, like limit big plays, stay on top of it. They're explosive, um, and you want them to. You want to force sustained drives and conversions as you go down. And so, um, you know, I, I don't think there's any secret to that. Making sure that we do those things from a from a special teams perspective, we need a big play. We need a punt block. We need a return. Uh, we need something that makes a significant impact mm-hmm. uh, from a special teams perspective. And then offensively, we've got to be more explosive. And you know, and, and we have to convert in the red zone. I think those are two two areas of focus for us where we have to get better. You know, you without explosive plays, defenses continue to get closer and closer to the line, which makes it really difficult to run and for JT to have his plays. At some point, you got to push these guys off by making those those uh, explosive plays. And then the red zone, you know, we had three drives in Philly in the red zone. We came in with six points. That's yeah. unacceptable. Yeah. And so that's on me. We, we, you know, we're going we're gonna to continue to work and strive to be better in there, but those are areas that we have to be better if we expect to beat the Steelers. That's head coach's report with interim head coach Jeff Satter before the Colts take on the Steelers in primetime Monday Night Football. Jeff, thanks for the time. Good luck. Appreciate you. That's the head coach's report with interim head coach Jeff Saturday leading us off tonight on Colts Happy Hour. I'm Matt Taylor in for JMV tonight. 
Tonight's broadcast brought to you by Centerpoint and Centerpoint Energy, proud sponsor of the 2022 Coach of the Week program. To see winning coaches and to learn more about the program, visit Colts.com slash high school football. Colts happy hour rolls on. Coming up next, we're going to give you the blueprints to beat the Steelers. My broadcast partner and former NFL coach Rick Venturi joins me for that coming up on the other side. Colts happy hour tonight on a Friday, leading you into Pacer hoops tonight. The Pacers take on the Brooklyn Nets, 7.30 for the pregame show here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Happy belated Thanksgiving, everybody. We're back in just a moment. Colts Happy Hour returns right after this. Welcome back to the Colts Happy Hour. We're getting you in the know on the Colts heading into the weekend. Welcome back. Colts Happy Hour tonight, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Good to be with you. I'm Matt Taylor in for JMV tonight. Busy, busy weekend of sports on this Thanksgiving weekend. Everywhere you look, there's something to watch, something to take in. IHSA football tonight at Lucas Oil Stadium. The 6A state championship tonight unfolds between Fort Wayne Carroll and Center Grove. CG and the Trojans looking for a three-peat, going for their third consecutive state championship under head coach Eric Moore. Tomorrow, three more games at Lucas Oil Stadium for trophies at 11 a.m. It's Lutheran, Indianapolis Lutheran, against Adams Central in the 1A state championship game. In the 3A game to follow, it's Lawrenceburg taking on Chittard, Indianapolis Chittard gunning for their 16th state championship. And then tomorrow night, it's the 5A game, Whiteland taking on Valparaiso. So good luck to all the teams this weekend in the IHSA tournament in the state finals. And uh, the Colts are a proud presenting partner of the IHSA football tournament. When those games are done, the Colts will take that same field at Lucas Oil Stadium on Monday night against the Steelers. And the Colts are looking to snap a seven-game losing streak to Pittsburgh and knock them off for the first time since 2008. And to tell us how the Colts can do that, Rick Venturi is with us tonight on Colts Happy Hour. Colts radio analyst and former NFL coach. He joined me like he always does on the Inside Football podcast this week on Colts.com and the Colts Audio Network. And here's a sample for you now as Rick laid out how the Colts can take advantage of an uneven Pittsburgh team at 3-7 and seven on the season. Take a listen. All right, Rick, let's talk about the Steelers on offense going into this game. Just like the Colts, they have struggled to score. They're under 20 points in five games on the season, only putting up 17 per game. The Steelers were the only team in the NFL to draft a quarterback in the first round last year in the spring, and that was Kenny Pickett, 20th overall out of Pittsburgh. He started the last six games. He's got a record of 2-4. and four. He took over back in week number four after the Steelers bench Mitch Trubisky. Um, his touchdown-to-interception ratio, not good. It's 8-3 to three in that regard, or I should say 3-8. to eight. Uh, Their lead back is Najee Harris. He has over 500 rushing yards and 130 receiving yards. He has the seventh most scrimmage yards in the NFL among running backs since the start of last season. They've got three pass catchers on the outside with at least 400 yards. Deontay Johnson, rookie George Pickens out of Georgia, and then tight end Pat Fryermuth from nearby Penn State. And Pickens, uh, with his yards and catches, those rank eighth by a player in their first 10 games uh, of their rookie season. Fryermuth is one of four tight ends in the NFL this season with at least three games of at least 75 receiving yards. So that's kind of the skinny on a sluggish and kind of up and down Steelers offense. Rick, what else stands out to you about the Steelers when they've got the ball with their rookie signal caller back there? 
No, that that's right. As far as the actual players, you know, it, it you know, it's actually a very representative group. I mean, I would say number one, the number one thing uh, must is we must dominate that line of scrimmage on first down, particularly on those zone runs, and we have to turn that line of scrimmage and we have to really stuff Harris. Now, when you stuff him, though, our defensive ends, which I thought did a pretty good job last week. You have to play discipline because he is a bounce runner. He'll take that play up into the like the four hole, and man, if you cl- over close it, he's out of there. And occasionally they'll pull a guard and run a predetermined bounce to get to the outside. So uh, holding the edge on Najee and Warren is really really important. Make sure we set the edge on our left on the boots, particularly on first down. They almost all come on first down, and they almost always come to his right. you got to win first down and may, and put this quarterback in disadvantage. This is what you want. You want the quarterback and you want their left tackle in disadvantage. Number two, you got to take Johnson away. Johnson has the 51 catches. He's the high-volume guy, go-to guy. And he's going to move around. Again, sometimes he'll be isolated at X. Sometimes he'll be in the slot. But he is the go-to guy. And then right behind him, the guy that I think is emerging is Pickens. And I would say you want to defend Pickens much like A.J. Brown, which we did a good job. He caught some underneath stuff early, but he never got loose last week on Gilmore. But you want to defend him deep. You know, he's got 33 catches, and they're coming lately. But, again, it's 13-7, and he competes for the deep ball. He has length, and he can go get it. So stay on top of him and take away the fade. Make sure you play the fade. Now, I think your linebackers and safeties have to crowd Fryermuth, that he's number 44, the tight end, particularly in third down. They get in two-by-two across the board, and they run those little options to fire move back there because they they know you'll push the coverage to other people, and the quarterback likes that because they're easy throws. The other thing they do a lot of, Matt, and, and this is just something that we have to be ready for fundamentally, particularly in man-to-man coverage, you really they run a lot of bunches and a lot of stacks, and they run a lot of rub routes and one guy under and one high lows, what I call high lows, and then they'll rub and, and run crossing patterns, and they'll always have a high with it. So you got to do a real good job. Don't get distorted in those bunches. You have to define how you're going to do it and take it, okay? Number three, again, expect reverses and gimmicks. It's hard for this team to maintain long drives without creating, and they almost have to create something, and that's where Tomlin is yearning the, 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 the gimmicks. Again, the two things that are important there, because you never know when they're coming, is discipline on the edge. Don't fly crazy. If 82 is around the box, be alerted on that. That one guy should alert the other side that something could be coming. He's a terrific space athlete. He'll be involved in that. The other guy they try to get some things for is Warren, number 30, comes in at running back. Again, they ran a pick for him out of the backfield and hit him for a wheel route on a touchdown. So, again, nothing easy. They'll have a tough time sustaining long drives. Don't give them anything easy. And plaster your receivers because of the potential flea flickers and the quarterback's ability to extend. So don't think you have them at the interval. You know, you got them covered. Now they start moving, plaster them, plaster them, plaster them all the way 
because this kid will move and extend, and you may get some kind of razzle-dazzle play. All right, let's turn the page, focus on the Steelers on defense. That's Rick Venturi. I'm Matt Taylor. This is Inside Football before the Colts take on the Pittsburgh Steelers, and their stats on that side of the ball pretty pedestrian despite the fact they've got some big-time playmakers on that unit. They're 26th in points allowed, including 37 against the Bengals last week. They stopped the run pretty well, but they're horrible against the pass. As you said, dead last giving up 272 passing yards per game. They've allowed 22 passing touchdowns on the season. That's most in the NFL. They've given up 43 passing plays over 20, which is the second most allowed in the NFL this season. And they're giving up those plays despite having big names in their secondary like Cameron Sutton and Levi Wallace and Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, Pretty good up front. Um, They're not going to wow you with their sack numbers, but they've got Cameron Hayward, T.J. Watt is back, Devin Bush, former Jaguar, Miles Jack, and then Alex Highsmith. T.J. Watt is back, as I said. He missed seven games with a pack and just an absolute stud, the reigning NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, We know about Fitzpatrick. The last time the Colts played the Steelers, he had a pick six in 2019, really kind of changed the game in that contest. Uh, His 23 combined takeaways since 2019 are the fourth most in the NFL in that time. So, Rick, let me ask you before you get into your musts, why are the Steelers so disappointing on paper on defense compared to all that talent they've got on the field? Well, that is the $108 million question. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they got a defense that they pay $108 million to. No, nice. 26 in in, in points given up. Yeah. And that's the surprise of the league. And I'm I'm a little shocked by it, although their pass defense has just been shredded. And they don't blitz. You know, at one time, you know, obviously the Pittsburgh defense was known as Blitzburg. It really was because they brought it every single down. And they're not doing that as much. I, I'm not sure why. You know, the LeBeau principles, and I'm bringing a name out of the past. This is all the way back to the Chuck Knoll days. LeBeau was the guy who installed their under 4-3 defense. It's actually a 3-4, but it it's played like a 4-3. And it's old school. It's more under. Normally, we're looking at over and double sync every single week. That is the NFL trademark defense. They're a throwback in that they're an under, meaning that they push the defense to the weak side and they keep a defensive end on your tackle. Now, most of the time he lines up on the tackles inside eye. So it is close to a double sync, and they play that a lot. And their base coverage is cover eight. And this is what what cover eight is. Cover eight means it's quarters to the field. In other words, the strong corner has the outside quarter. The strong safety has the the inside quarter. And then they roll up weak. So it's combination quarters strong and kind of a cover two look weak and very hard match coverage underneath. Um, And that's kind of their basic coverage. Now, if you get in the slot, they will check at the three. I know this defense so well. We were in the division way back when with them in Cleveland, and a lot of the principles are still there. I'd say number one must. We've got to spread their front. That's what those formation variances I talked about matter and pound them to the weak side. You're always better running weak against them. If they're going to bring stuff, it's usually off your strong side. I like balanced ace. Uh, I like to trade the tight end over there. 
and work the three te- three technique. If they if you get them in nickel and they do play nickel, that's they suffer on the running game. You can't pound the bubble there. And again, somehow, some way, if they jump in that double sink, you're going to have to run power and you're going to have to run some gaps, or else we're going to be looking at second ten all day long. But the best thing to do is spread their front. Uh, number two, we've got to block the edges here. Okay, we can't isolate either tackle on Watt or on Highsmith. Okay, again, I'm not going to get into the numbers. They're very, very good, but both of those guys can ruin your game. They can absolutely ruin your game. So you have to do a really good job. The other thing, because we've had a lot of trouble with it, uh, I think expect a blitz barrage. I, they got nothing to lose at three and seven. They play, they have, they, they've done a lot of five man rush, but not a ton of real blitzes. I would expect a blitz barrage to tell you the truth. Number three, we want to attack their left corner. Um, it's going to start out with Wallace. If he struggles, they may go back to Witherspoon, but that's where you got to attack it. And what you want to do is you want to be in a formation. Listen to me on this. You want to be in formation right from a Colt standpoint. You want the formation to be right because understand that on first down, that cover eight rolls weak and it's quarters to the strong side. So if you want to isolate those guys, you want to isolate them on first down. If you wait till third down, they'll help them. But on first down, you're going to be able to get Pierce or Pittman or um, or Paris over there at the Z, not at the X. You don't want to go to the X. You want them at the Z, and you want to work like hell. And I mean work, take your shots. Let's Let's go try to score points here. Let's get after them. But you can't wait till second and long. You can't wait till third down because Mike's old school. His, as soon as you get second and long, it's two, it's two man. It's a much different proposition. On first down, it's eight, it's three, or it's one. So if you think about it, just simplify it for a second. That strong side corner is naked, and that's where they've been. You know, they're not thirty-two by accident. That's Rick Venturi. That's Inside Football here, a part of Colts Happy Hour on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan, I'm Matt Taylor filling in for JMV tonight. That entire podcast with Rick Venturi, that's available on the Colts Audio Network, and that includes podcasts, radio shows like this one, player interviews. It's all available on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere else you download your podcasts. You can also listen on the SiriusXM mobile app by searching Colts. Listen to exclusive Colts radio and audio content. Do it on your schedule on demand and stay up to date on the horseshoes. Colts Happy Hour tonight brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook, proud sports betting partner of the Indianapolis Colts. When we come back, we're going to talk more about Monday night's game against the Steelers. It's also the kicking the stigma game for the Colts on Monday night. So when we come back, we'll talk about that with Kalen Jackson, the vice chairman and CEO of the Indianapolis Colts. Stay with us. You're listening to Colts Happy Hour on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We now return to the Colts Happy Hour, an inside look at the Colts on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Welcome back, Colts Happy Hour tonight, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Good to be with you. I'm Matt Taylor filling in for JMV tonight. Colts Happy Hour is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Download the app today and make every moment more. It's time now for the Forum Credit Union Question of the Week. 
The Steelers are up next. They've got T.J. Watt on defense, the reigning NFL Defensive Player of the Year. He's led the NFL in sacks in back-to-back seasons, and last season he also became just the second player ever with at least 13 sacks in three consecutive NFL seasons. Who is the only other player to do that? We'll answer that coming up on the other side. Visit the Forum Credit Union Fan Forum section of Colts.com to interact with other fans online. There you can post a topic and participate in various discussions on the Colts. Forum Credit Union helping members live their financial dreams. Monday night's game against the Steelers is also the Colts kicking the stigma game as the Colts are dedicating the game to mental health awareness and kicking the stigma. That's the Jim Irsay family initiative to raise awareness about mental health and remove the stigma too often associated with mental health disorders. And this week, myself, Lair Overton, we talked with Kalen Jackson, vice chairman and CEO of the Colts, about how important kicking the stigma is, how big it's become, and what you're going to see on Monday Night Football regarding kicking the stigma. This is the second season we've had a game dedicated to kicking the stigma, but this initiative has been years in the making for you and for the entire Ursay family, for this organization. And there has been so much excitement in particular over the last few months where we had Beyond the Sidelines, the first ever in-person event for Kicking the Stigma. There have been so many worthy grant recipients. We could touch on so many aspects of this, but for you watching this grow, where have you seen the greatest impact that Kicking the Stigma has had so far? Yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, we could probably have multiple podcasts and still Mm -hmm. not be done talking about all the amazing things that have come from this campaign and this initiative. Um, And it's something that, you know, we've we've done so much in the community, but I can honestly say this has probably been the most impactful, which I feel like is saying a lot. We've had a lot of efforts that have made a huge impact on this community that we are so proud of. But this, by far, has hit such a positive nerve in the community, both, you know, in the city, in the state. And then nationally, you know, I think that it reaches beyond our state. um, And I think the impact, I don't even think can be measured. Mm -hmm. We talk about that a lot in the sense that, you know, I I have a binder full of emails, letters from people that are sharing their personal stories and and talking about what this means to them, the impact this has had on them, their family, their friends, their community, um, and what it means for a sports team to be putting their logo on this and caring about this. And I think that we thought, that it would be impactful, but not like this. Um, and in and, and such a, you know, in, to have the impact like this means so much to us. I think we talk a lot about, you know, my dad's a very spiritual person, and I think we all are as well through him and my mom. And this is the life purpose type work that mm-hmm. you hope to find. And, and I think that really being able to use our own personal family trauma mm-hmm. To share it with others is a really big part of healing and and a big part of the mental health, you know, therapeutic, you know, community, if you will. And a lot of people who who go through struggles like this will understand what that means. So for us to be able to share our story um, in this way is really unique for us as well and such a gift. And I think that I've said it a lot, but I think I'll say it again, is that for the first time, we're telling our story instead of the story being told about us, which is, um, again, a really unique experience for us. But I would say that, you know, for us, like I said, this is the first time an NFL team has stamped their mark on mental health. This is the first time, last year was the first game any NFL team has ever ever dedicated a game to mental health. And so this year will be the second year. And our hope is that people will see that and join us because this is just too important of a topic 
to, to be the only ones talking about it. Colts vice chairman and owner Kalen Jackson is with us here in the Colts radio studio talking about uh, the upcoming game on Monday night football against the Pittsburgh Steelers and, of course, kicking the stigma. Kalen, how, how have you seen kicking the stigma grow in such a short amount of time, right? I mean, you started this in 2020. Um, the program has raised more than $17 million to expand treatment and research and raise awareness all over the country. $17 million. I mean, that's that's huge. How have you been able to do that, and how have you seen that money really make a difference? Yeah, and so I'll correct you, Jessica. We're PC. It's we've committed over seventeen okay. million, um, but still, it's a big number, sure. and it's it's all going toward whether it's awareness pieces or um, you know equi- equitable access to resources. These the grant recipients. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a long list, or it's just personal donations um, right. from my dad um, to you know there are a variety of ones that are very publicized, like a million to IU Healths. Um, addiction center and also, you know, a million to create a new addiction center in Carmel. There's a, a bunch that have been given. I c- again, we could stay here all night and talk about sure. all the wonderful organizations. But I think um, the PSAs are also a big piece. And I think that they've been super impactful because I think if you look way back to when we started this, we had talked about this being our, you know, main initiative back in the summer and spring of 2019. So we knew um, we wanted to, I'm sorry, of 2020. And so we knew we wanted to head that way. Um, you know, COVID hit. We couldn't do exactly what we wanted. And so we kind of had to shift gears. But I think that was such a unique, perfect kismet timing, if you will, because it helped so many more people needed help during that time. So many people felt yeah. more isolated and alone. Right, right. And I think that really helped springboard this. Um, in the sense that more people were at home and saw our PSAs and, and were looking more for something to do and look at and, and even looking for help. And so I think that that was a huge thing. And we were happy to be able to be that light in that dark time for so many people. But I think it's grown so organically, which is why I think it's been so successful is because it truly is just people. We just were having organizations you know, people that have status, whether that be celebrity or just random fans that we were making connections all over the country. Um, and this grew so naturally. And I think I always say, too, I think it connected so well because it is coming from such a genuine place and such a place of lived experience. Um, we know what it feels like to feel alone and we know what it feels like to be misunderstood. Um, but I think for us to looking at if we go back to the game and it being, you know, Games, the NFL and teams have had such success in making impact in areas, you know, whether that be cancer or military, or you, you right, name it. Right. And I think this is hopefully going to be that someday. Um, and I think that we're starting that and we hope to be joined, like I said. But so when we started it last year, players were wearing shirts during warm up and we'll be having that again this year. We're excited to say that we'll be having shirts available for purchase in the pro shop and online this year, which is new. Um, we also have um, a gift with donation opportunity for our King Sigma beanies mm-hmm. um, that will also be available. And I think that's such a beautiful thing, too, because we've had such response from fans asking for that and wanting to wear it and that's a big deal i mean Mm -hmm. yes it has a horseshoe on it but it's also talking about mental health like who would have thought that that would have been something you know even five years ago that people were wanting to wear around um so if we can have that kind of impact 
um, I think we'll never know. I think, you know, we talk about that a lot, too. There's probably thousands of people that this will touch that will never have any idea. They won't write the letter. They won't, right. you know, any of that. But it made a difference. Um, and I think we, we talk about this a lot, too. I think people feel very overwhelmed by this topic. Like, how can I help? What am I supposed to do? How do I help my family members? What do I do? Um, especially if they can't give, you know, not everyone can give, you know, thousands of dollars and you don't have to do that. And I think, like I said, a big piece is sharing your story, but also sharing the work that we're doing, sharing what resources there are um, and just being a part of the conversation is a huge part. And I think everyone knows that one of the biggest problems is the system is broken. Mm -hmm. But what we always say is that doesn't mean that we can't fix it. And I'm really proud of our state and of our city. Um, and a lot of the people that are working at the high level on the state are really looking at this very seriously. And I will say the conversations I've had have given me a lot of hope in the sense that our state is really setting us up to be one of the more successful ones. Um, and we aren't right now. That's the reality. Mm-hmm. We are in the top five of all the things you do not want to be in the top five for depression, anxiety, suicide, you name it. But we're headed in the right direction. And I hope that we're a big part of that. Kaylin, you mentioned how one person sharing his or her story can save a life. And I want to go back because this is something that Shaq Leonard shared with me at the Beyond the Sidelines event. But Shaq told me a story that when he was at the Ursa Collection concert at Lucas Oil Stadium, there was a security guard or someone who was working at, at the stadium that day who stopped Shaq and said, I was in a really dark place. I was really struggling. I was considering ending my life. I saw your story. I saw what you you had said, and that really inspired me and motivated me. And I just want to thank you for that. I'm doing much better now. And he and Shaq had a moment, and that was just such a testament to how this touches people. And you have no idea how much impact it can have on a person. And I'm looking at just the list of guys who I'm thinking of that we've had conversations with, Yannick Ngakwe, DeForest Buckner, Sam Ellinger, Ben Banigou, Julian Blackman, Quiddy Pay, guys across this team who have all really welcomed and embraced the opportunity to share their stories and to spread the message. And we have two opportunities coming up, Kicking the Stigma Game, my cause, my cleats, in which kicking the stigma will be at the forefront. I know a handful of players who have excitedly joined uh, kicking the stigma for their my cause, my cleats initiative. That'll be the Dallas game coming up. How do you describe seeing how overwhelming it is for so many guys to wear the shirts, wear the cleats, mm-hmm. do it on game day? Of course, they're always you know representing the last name on the back of their jersey yeah. and the horseshoe on the helmet, but now they're also representing kicking the stigma no I think it means so much like I remember last year was the first year where they could have picked it and there were so many and I remember calling and being like is this are you serious like this many did that and I know that may sound silly to some but it's like they can pick anything and there's so many things that touch them and to know that one they support us in that way and that we've created a culture that you know we have that relationship with our players I hope it showcases that you know and I hope that they really feel the genuineness behind it for them as well because we really are focused on the whole player and I think we ha- pride ourselves in being one of the first to have a clinician on staff and and you know our clinician is in fact on the advisory council for clinicians of the league and in fact all of those programs across the league for clinicians at every team was based on our program so mm-hmm. that was before any of this even started and so you know, there's been a lot of work behind the scenes before Keegan Stigma was actually an outward-facing 
um, initiative, but this has always been in our heart and this has always been something that we cared about. And we are just honestly honored to be able to share this, change the world and shout it from the rooftops that this is something to look at and this is something to care about. It's Colts Vice Chairman and owner Kaylin Jackson with us. Last one for me, Kaylin. You've been so gracious with your time. Um, the game itself, Monday Night Football, the first home Monday night game for the Colts since 2015. It's going to be awesome, it's right? It's going to be so fun. <laughs> You're going to have some and, buzz. You know, on, of course, like my dad, you know, obviously has made his opinions very clear that we feel like we deserved <laughs> this. And now it's finally here for our fans. You know, we really care about that and we want that for our fans of yeah. our city. Um, I, you know, I think people can say since we came here in the 80s, you know, the love that we feel and the ingrainment we have in the community really truly means so much to us mm-hmm. um we feel like it's a family and it's a small big town as we say um and so we're just so happy for our fans to be able to have it back happy for our players and you know that when i saw that schedule come out i was like that's a kicking the sigma game because <laughs> yeah. oh, we want as many eyes on it as possible and i think right. that that's the point of prime time and sure i think that you know it's obviously been a really unique season um never a dull moment over here (laughs) Mm -hmm. um but you know at the same time i you know we talk about all the time there's a lot of noise outside this building um and we know who we are and our players know who we are and that does not change no matter what that's kaylin jackson the vice chairman and ceo of the colts regarding kicking the stigma and the kicking the stigma game monday night football against the steelers and, of course, the great work the Ursays continue to do with kicking the stigma. Tonight's broadcast, Colts Happy Hour, is brought to you by Meyer, the official super center of the Indianapolis Colts and proud sponsor of hundreds of local sports teams across the Midwest. I'm Matt Taylor filling in for JMV tonight. When we come back, myself and Lara Overton will once again join me. We'll talk with Bobby O'Karake, the linebacker, having a great season for the Colts. He's part of that Colts defense that right now ranks fifth in the NFL in total defense. We're back with Bobby in just a moment. And as Colts Happy Hour rolls on here on 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. No show talks more about the Colts than this one. This is the Colts Happy Hour on 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. Colts Happy Hour is back again tonight. Matt Taylor filling in for JMV this evening. Happy belated Thanksgiving, everybody. We're leading you into Pacer Hoops tonight. Pacers take on the Nets in Brooklyn. Colts Happy Hour tonight is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Download the app today and make every moment more. It's time now to answer that Forum Credit Union Fan Forum section uh, question of the week. T.J. Watt last year became only the second player ever with at least 13 sacks in three consecutive NFL seasons. Who is the only other player to do that? The answer, Reggie White, one of the best pass rushers of all time. Pro Football Hall of Famer. He did it during his career, 1985 through 1988, and again, 1990 through 1993. Reggie White and T.J. Watt. As promised, we're going to hear from Colts linebacker Bobby O'Karake, ninth in the NFL in total tackles, a part of this Colts defense that ranks top five in total defense on the season. Myself and Lara Overton this week talked with the fourth-year linebacker about going up against the Steelers and his season so far. We're in the Colts radio studio now joined by Lara Overton I'm Matt Taylor Bobby O'Karake is also with us Colts linebacker in year number four Bobby thanks for the time today how are you sir good brother appreciate having me absolutely our pleasure so 
Talk to us about that that Philadelphia game. How difficult is it to get over a game like that? I know you've got the extra day getting ready for Monday night football against the Steelers, but uh, a game where you, you got them on the ropes, they make enough plays down the stretch. How tough is it to deal with a game like that where you were so close to winning, play some good football, but just couldn't close the deal there? Yeah, you know, tough, heartbreaking loss, um, especially, you know, defensively. We thought we played so well up and towards the end. Uh, but, you know, talk about starting fast and finishing faster. Mm-hmm. Um, and that onus is on everybody really just to, you know, have greater focus, uh, especially, you know, when we're making checks and uh, adjustments throughout the, throughout the game, just being locked in, especially towards the end. Uh, but ultimately, it's it's a team game, and defensively, you know, we gotta stop them and make them score less than the, uh, the offense scores. And you know, we didn't do that, so uh, we didn't hold up iron to the bargain. It's Bobby Okereke with us, Colts linebacker. Now you're having a great season: 94 tackles. You're ninth in the NFL in total tackles. How do you feel like your season's going? Are, are you satisfied with the way that you're playing uh, in this fourth season here with the Colts? Not satisfied. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always working to get better every week. Uh, I think that's what Coach Smith does a phenomenal job of, you know, just really honing on the details, fundamental and technique, and, you know, pointing out where we can get better. Um, but, you know, I think I'm doing a great job uh, of leadership and communication, you know, working with Zaire. He's done a phenomenal job this season. But, uh, yeah, just honing in on that will position and uh, just trying to be a guy, you know, my teammates can count on to make plays at all times. Yeah, you brought up Zaire. He's, he's balling out. I yeah. mean, it's this classic case of – just give a guy a chance, right? And and he's taking it and, exactly. and running with it. Why do you think he's exploding? I mean, has he always had this in him? He just needed the opportunity to be out there on a consistent exactly. basis. Exactly. I mean, he's always had elite physical toughness, elite mental toughness, um, and it, it it really just comes down to showing on game day. Mm-hmm. And you know, throughout this season, you know, he's he's flourished in, in in these high stress opportunities. So we're we're really just excited about his play. Going into Monday night, you've had a few opportunities in your career to face Pittsburgh, but the last time the Colts beat the Steelers. 2008, Jeff Saturday, your interim head coach, was the starting center the last time the Colts got a victory over Pittsburgh. How much is that a conversation this week as you guys get ready for a much-anticipated primetime matchup? Yeah, I mean, just another another great opportunity versus a unique, uh, unique challenging opponent. Uh, but Monday night, obviously, it's going to be an amazing stage at home versus Lucas Oil. Can't really ask for anything. It's your better. first home Monday night game, right, in your career? Yeah, you know, it's going to be a, a raucous environment. It's going to be crazy, but uh, you know, we're just going to be we're locked in on effort and execution, um, and really just that mental focus throughout the whole game. Yeah. Going up against this Pittsburgh offense, a rookie quarterback, and Kenny Pickett has had no giveaways in back-to-back games, but had nine giveaways in his first five. I talked to Zaire and Kenny Moore about this today. With a rookie quarterback, what are the things that you can do as a veteran, experienced defense to exploit some things with a young passer who's still finding his footing in the league? Yeah, you know, try to mix up the looks for him and uh, make him think he's seeing one thing and last and post-snap, you know, show him another. Um, obviously, you can blitz him, you know, kind of keep, keep, keep him a little skittish back there. Mm-hmm. But he's a good player. And like you said, he's had those giveaways early on. But, you know, we feel like this is an offense, you know, that's really kind of caught a rhythm and is playing better and better. So they're a good opponent and uh, a good opponent. And he's a guy who can make plays with his feet, too. So, like I said, it's another unique challenge in this league. Hey, for those that don't know, What's what's it like to be a professional athlete on a on a holiday week? I mean, how, how do you how do you balance Thanksgiving? Because you're working on Thanksgiving. Like for you, it's just Thursday, right? Yeah, no, it's Thursday. Um, we're going in. We'll have meetings. Uh, we'll have a walkthrough. But we get out early in the day. Honestly, for me, I'm happy. I get to go home. I get to take a nap, and then uh, you know I'll hang out with some teammates and uh-huh. then, uh, really just call family and friends and just you know take that time to sit and really think about what I'm truly thankful for. Hey, from what I've there seen, maybe try to get an invite to Grover Stewart's house. 
get the wings, maybe. You know, and, that, you know, is that the place to be? <laughs> that's the place to be, right? I think he's got right? the grill going, so I, I got I to stop by. <laughs> Have you always been a Thanksgiving guy? I mean, do you enjoy enjoy the uh, the the fair, if you will, on that day? I do. I'm a big pumpkin pie guy, so whoever's yeah. got that, that's probably whose house. <laughs> there you go. You, you can't be persuaded now. I like it. That's Bobby O'Karake having a fantastic year again. Ninth in the NFL in tackles, spearheading this Colts defense. Bobby, thanks so much for the time. Continued success and ball out on Monday night, all right? Yeah, appreciate it, Matt. Thank you. That's Bobby O'Karake, Colts linebacker, with us earlier this week trying to slow down a Steelers offense got up by a rookie quarterback, Kenny Pickett, coming up on Monday Night Football. By the way, Monday night's games brought to you by Lucas Oil, the official oil products of your Indianapolis Colts. Lucas Oil, it works. Time for a quick timeout. We'll go over the injury report and get you set for Pacer Hoops tonight. Pacers at the Nets coming up at 7.30 here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. This is Colts Happy Hour. I'm Matt Taylor. In for JMV tonight. We're back right after this. We are talking all things Colts on the Colts Happy Hour heading into the weekend on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Back to the final time. Colts Happy Hour tonight brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Download the app today and make every moment more. Matt Taylor in for JMV tonight on Colts Happy Hour. Quick look at the Colts injury report before we have to bail tonight on the defensive side of the ball. DeForest Buckner is dealing with a rib issue. Quiddy Pays missed some practice time again this week with that ankle. He's missed four of the last five games with that. And then on the offensive side, Ryan Kelly starting center dealing with a shoulder and a knee. So we'll see how those players progress tomorrow on the final day of practice leading into Monday night football against the Steelers. Pacer Hoops is coming up. I'm Matt Taylor. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Enjoy high school football state finals tonight and tomorrow IU Purdue tomorrow on 93 WIBC and we'll talk to you on Monday night for Colts and Steelers. This is Colts Happy Hour 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Good night.